Back in September, let me put this here for now. Back in September, Gene and I uh, got to spend the weekend at Lois and Kyle's house, which is on Bad Medicine Lake. It's not a cabin, it's an actual house. They can stay there year-round. And it's really sweet when they go away, they allow us to come to their house and spend the weekend there. We had it to ourselves, and so as we prepared for that weekend, we packed, of course, extra clothes, uh, pillows, food for the weekend. But then Jean also packed this, a bucket, soap, vinegar, window cleaner, and a squeegee and a sponge. She said that when, she gets, when we get there, we're going to clean Lois's windows. And that's what we did on Saturday afternoon. We cleaned Lois's windows. And not only that, Jean, uh, as an extra measure, uh, cleaned her floors, cleaned her stove, uh, cleaned the microwave. It was a sweet weekend together. Of course, we went, in, we went to our own cabin and we put the shutters on for the winter, picked up a few loads of leaves, and we just had a sweet time that weekend and cooked steaks on, on uh, Saturday night. And of course, we washed Lois's windows and then some. Now, at the end of every, at the end of the weekend, and this is common, Jean always asks me this question. Dunham kids, what does she ask me? Hmm? Your high and low, right. What's your high and what's your low? Um, what was your high point about our weekend together? What was the low point? Years ago, if she'd asked that question, I would have thought she's trying to start a fight with me because I don't like to talk. But I learned that she does all she wants to do is she wants to talk and connect and kind of get down below the surface of what we both experienced. What was your high and what was your low? So anyway, to answer that question for that weekend, I didn't really have any lows. There wasn't any low points, but for a high, it was this. When Friday night, we got there and the sun was going down and got dark and we sat on a bench that Kyle and Lois have right by the lake. It was calm, it was peaceful, it was warm, it was very, very sweet. And I said, I also enjoyed the sandwich that I had at the bistro at, uh, in Foston where we stopped. And for me, stopping on the way to anything is monumental. I never, always, never, never stop. And so when Jean suggested we stop and, and have a bite to eat, I, and I said, sure, she couldn't believe her ears. <laughs> Those are two of my highs for the weekend. I didn't have a low, of course. But of course, then I have to ask Jean that same question. What was your high? What was your low? <clears throat> Jean said she didn't have any lows, just like me. But here was her high. Her high was cleaning Lois's windows and her microwave and her stove and her floors. Seriously. So I talked with her more about that a day or so later, and, and I, I said to her, I said, well, what if Loie doesn't see that her windows were clean, were washed? And she said, well, I don't do it to get recognized. I do it for God. Well, actually, she said, I do it for myself because I like how I feel afterwards. So I said to her, so you do it to feel good. 
How selfish. <laughs> How selfish. And as if washing Lowy's windows wasn't enough, that next Wednesday I get an email at work and she says, <clears throat> what are you doing Saturday? Guys, whenever your wife asks you if you have plans for Saturday, you got to say, yes, I've got plans. So I said, yes, I've got plans for Saturday. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to sleep in and maybe work out a little bit and then take a nice long nap. <clears throat> then I came to my senses and I said, okay, what do you got in mind for, for me for Saturday? Well, Grace needs some painting done at her house, and, and I want to go do that. You come with me and do it. Absolutely. Love to do it. I told her again how selfish she was, and she does it to feel good. <laughs> Welcome, folks. This is week 10 of Flourishing. The title is Serving. Well, that's kind of it. It's really this, the key to happiness, because serving is the key to happiness. And we're just going to talk about some examples of serving today. And of course, exhibit A is Jesus. And he said in 10, Mark 10, 45, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. You Awana kids, I guess they're all downstairs now, or most of them are. This was our verse for uh, Awana last Wednesday when we talked about serving. This verse was on our bulletins every Sunday, Mark 10, 45. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. Here's an example, Jesus, Exhibit A, John 13. After he had served his disciples by washing his feet, so when he had washed their feet, taken his garments, and sat down again, he said to them, do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and I say, well, and I say, well, for I am. If then I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, happy are you if you do them. There's a link between serving or obedience, serving and happiness. When we serve others, we will increase our happiness. It's just that simple. Now I have exhibits B, C, D, E, F, G, and H, and that's it. B, here's exhibit B. During the American Revolution, a man in civilian clothes rode past a group of soldiers on a horse, and they were repairing a small defensive barrier. These were all privates doing the work, and the one giving the orders was a corporal. He was shouting instructions, this corporal was, but he made no attempt to help the men. Asked why by the rider who came by, he retorted with great dignity, I am a corporal. The stranger apologized, dismounted, and then helped the exhausted shoulders, soldiers. The job done, he said to the corporal, 
Mr. Corporal, next time you have a job like this and do not have enough men to do it, go to your commander-in-chief and I will come and help you again. It was none other than George Washington. Matthew 23, 11 says this, He who is greatest among you shall be your servant. Exhibit C, a pastor in a sister church of ours wrote this some time ago. He said this, Every time, every time I clean the toilet, I thank God. That's right. I always make a point of stopping and with a smile saying, This one's for you, Lord. It just seems to make chores a little easier when I know I'm doing it for God. That's a great example to follow. Whatever we do, we ought to do it for God. Colossians 3.17, Whatever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God, the Father, through Him. Do you find yourself mowing? Mow as if you're doing it for Jesus. Are you building something? Build as if you're doing it for Jesus. Are you cooking a meal? Cook as if you're doing it for Jesus. And if you're cleaning a toilet, clean as if you're doing it for Jesus. Exhibit D. D.L. Moody was a great American preacher of the 1800s. And at one time, a large group of European pastors came to one of his, came across the sea to one of his conferences. And following the European custom of, of uh, uh, each one would, would take their shoes at night and leave it outside their bedroom door because in Europe, the servants would come and clean the shoes. Of course, we had no such custom here in the United States and no such servants to do the work. So D.L. Moody, the great evangelist, seeing the shoes, took them and clean them and polish them all. And the only way we know about this was an unexpected visit by a friend came and saw him do that and told the story. You know, the capstone of a pyramid is called a, a, a pyramidion. In this world, great people are the pyramidion. They're, they're, they're the top of the pyramid. And all the others below serve that capstone, that pyramidium, that leader in our world. But Jesus redefined greatness and he turned that pyramid upside down so that the pyramidion is now at the bottom. That's where we should envision ourselves and position ourselves is at the bottom, servants of all. Exhibit E is a Cottonwood member who moved away several years ago named Jennifer Tinkler and uh, I have a special guest who's going to share about that service. Oh yeah, you need that. Yeah, is it on? Is it on? It's yes. on. Okay. Before I... Um, share my story. I had to tell another story first. On Friday mornings, I take the six oldest Grand Forks grands to my house, and we have Grandma Friday. And then I, I feed them lunch, and then after lunch, I bring them home. And so this past Friday, I, we got in the car, and the first they say they asked two things: Grandma, can we have gum? And then Grandma tell us a story. 
So I gave them their gum, and then I told them the story that I'm going to tell you today. And when I got done, um, I said, and you know, Grandma's going to tell that story in church on Sunday. And he said, you are? Aren't you scared? Aren't you nervous? And I said, yeah, I'm scared and I'm nervous. <laughs> they knew I didn't like, I don't do well speaking in groups. But I said, but I've been praying and I'm asking the Lord to give me grace so that I can do it and not be too scared. And then I said, and you, you kids can pray too. You can pray for grandma. Oh, yeah, yeah, we'll pray, we'll pray. They're very serious. We'll pray before lunch and we'll pray before bed. And Mackie, she said, I know, I'll have the king's kids teacher pray for you. <laughs> and little Frank, he said, well, we could pray on Sunday when you're speaking. And so, Frank, that would be right now. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, at, at first I thought it was kind of cute and sweet and that they were going to pray, but it kind of started making me feel a little nervous, like, do they not think Grandma can do this? They're so worried. So we got to um, David's house, and I got um, Molly and Jake out of the car, and the first thing Jake said, Dad, we got to pray for Grandma. I was like, <laughs> man. And then, so I said goodbye to them, and I got back in the car, and the four other kids were chanting, let's see, i got to get this right, so I say it right, because it was so funny. They were saying, they were chanting, pray for Grandma, she's preaching on Sunday, pray for Grandma, <laughs> and so then I was like, oh my goodness, I'm not preaching, I said, I'm just going to tell a story. Just going to tell a story. But anyway, it gets worse. Then I got to the homes, and I dropped Mac and Cece off, and I went in the house, and I think the first thing they said is, Grandma's preaching on Sunday. And Grace said, Mom, I can't believe you said yes. I was like, come on, give me a little positivity here. But anyway, um, here's the reason that I'm sharing this story. Tom had, I knew he was talking about service, and he, about a month ago, he emailed me, and he said, I'm not exactly sure what it was, but it was something like, what were the details about that story with Jennifer Tinkler? And so I was going to email him back, and then I just thought, and I thought, you know, do you ever have a story or an experience that's so important or so um, impactful that nobody else can tell it. And maybe it's like the pastor's wife thing, because sometimes Tom will be up here and he'll be telling a story, and I'm like, no, that's not how it happened. <laughs> and that's how I felt about this one. I felt like I had to tell the story. So anyway, here's the story. I hope I didn't build it up too much, because it's not that great. But anyway, um, my dad was diagnosed with a terminal illness when he was 68 years old, just three years older than I am today. A year and a half later, he died. And even though I knew he was dying, I was devastated when he passed away. He loved me well. And I just couldn't believe he was gone. We had his funeral on a Tuesday morning in Valley City. And later that day, Tom and David had to drive back to Grand Forks for work. I stayed for a few days to be with my mom with our six other children. And on Friday morning, we loaded up the van and headed back to Grand Forks. And I remember driving up I-29 and cars passing me and thinking, 
my world has stopped. How can these cars be passing me just like nothing happened? I mean, it seems silly now. I even said, don't they know my dad just died? I was just so broken. We drove into the driveway. I put my head, the van in park. I put my head on the steering wheel. And I said, Lord, I can't do this. I didn't know how I could get all the kids in the house and feed them lunch and then put the little ones down for naps and then just go on like life was normal. It wasn't normal for me. I was paralyzed with grief. I did manage to get the kids out of the van. And <clears throat> as I was walking into the house, I can see it as if it was today or yesterday. David was sitting at the kitchen table. And he said, Mom, Jennifer Tinkler brought us lunch. And sure enough, a complete picnic lunch lay on my kitchen table. Picnic basket and tablecloth, paper products, sandwiches, salads, desserts, and lemonade in the fridge. And I immediately stopped and I thought, Jennifer stopped her world for me. Her kindness and her service to me is what got me through that first day. But I also learned a few things about serving from Jennifer. And the first one is just say yes. Act on those promptings from God. There's never a perfect time to serve. And if I wait 10 seconds or even five seconds when I get a prompting from God, I can talk myself out of it. We all have busy lives and things to do. And I think about Jennifer and I think, I wonder when she got that prompting. I wonder if she tried to talk herself out of it. It would have been way easier to bring a meal for me on Saturday when her husband was home. She had four little kids, but she didn't. I needed it on Friday, and she brought it to me. And the second thing I learned is that service always requires sacrifice. Jennifer sacrificed for me that Friday morning. Like I said, she was a busy mom with four little ones, and I'm sure she had lots of plans or things she could have done. But by serving me, she gave me hope. Her service was so much more than that lovely lunch. By serving me, she entered into my pain. And she showed me that I really wasn't alone, and I needed that. Proverbs 3:27 says, Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in the power of your hand to do so. Jennifer lived out that verse for me. And I will never forget it. You get a kiss on the cheek for that. <laughs> Exhibit F, Barbara Bush, wife of George H.W. Bush, prior to his presidency. She and George H.W. had been together constantly when he was a liaison officer in China. Then when he got appointed to uh, head up the CIA, they moved back to Washington, D.C., and he was busy, busy, busy. He was gone all the time, and she was alone. Her kids were grown, and she fell into depression. Her life was miserable. She said, I would feel like crying a lot. I really painfully hurt I would think bad thoughts. It was not nice. So what did she do? She threw herself into service work, volunteering at 
Washington Home is a health care center for the seriously ill, and she performed basic tasks, changing bedclothes, washing patients' hair. She befriended patients and nurses, and she stayed close to a patient named Janet Tullock, a resident with cerebral palsy. After about six months, she emerged from her trough of depression, and it never did recur. There is no better treatment, no better cure for depression than serving other people. If you struggle with discouragement and depression, be like Barbara Bush and serve whether you feel like it or not. It probably won't take six months but like it did for her, but you will come out of it. Exhibit G. Mark and Jolaine, Tyrell and Erica, Mike and Paula, Danny and Rachel, fellowship meals all these years. Uh, Mark keeps stats on the fellowship meals. Over 20 years, about 20 years, they've been doing fellowship meals with us. They have served over 22,000 meals. He keeps track of his cost. The average cost a buck and a half for the meal. And he said 92% of church attenders stay for the meal afterwards. That is some service to this church. Exhibit H, Aaron Shower. I had to stop at church uh, early one Friday morning a month or two ago, and Aaron was already there. He was cleaning the church. He had his, I think he had his headphones on. He didn't know I was there. He was listening to rock music, no doubt, something, <laughs> some rap music. He was already there early cleaning the church, faithful in service. It's no wonder he's always happy. He's a servant and he's a giver. This ser service of cleaning the church is multiplied many times right here in this congregation. If you're a member of this church, you take your turn once or twice a year as a family or a group together cleaning the church. So this is multiplied many times over and we thank you all. What a great church family we have. We don't hire an outside cleaning service to clean the church. Thank you. There are four degrees of service. We're going to winding down here. Four degrees of service. Number one, I don't serve. Second degree of service, I serve when I'm asked. Third degree, I volunteer to serve. I don't have to be asked. I see a need and I fill it. Number four, fourth degree of service, I am a slave of all. Romans 1, 1, Paul says, I'm a servant, a servant of Jesus Christ. That word in the Greek, servant, is doulos, slave. Paul says, I'm a slave to Jesus Christ. I'm a slave of all. I'm going to close with some tweets. Number one is this. Uh, this is a, uh, a study published in Science Magazine in 2003. People who serve and support others on average live longer. People who serve and support others on average live longer. How is that for a fountain of youth? Tweet number two, life is for service. This is Fred Rogers from Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Next, John Bunyan, who lived a long time ago, wrote Pilgrim's Progress. 
You have not lived today successfully unless you've done something for someone who can never repay you. Ugh. Leo Tolstoy wrote this, the simplest and shortest ethical precept is to be served as little as possible and to serve others as much as possible. Albert Schweitzer wrote this, one thing I do know, the only ones among you who will be, who will be really happy are those who have sought and found how to serve. And this one, I slept and dreamed that life is all joy. I woke and saw that life is all service. I served and saw that service is joy. Folks, do something for yourself. Serve someone. Truly, serving is the key to happiness. Serving is the key to happiness. Say it with me. Serving is the key to happiness. Let's pray. And worship team, come up. You can stand. We'll pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the many examples of service in our lives that you laid before us. We pray, Heavenly Father, that we'd be at step four, that we'd be a slave of all. Help us, Heavenly Father, to uh, just increase our joy and help, happiness by serving others. We thank you for this church. I thank you for all the members and, and the service that goes on day and night in this church. Bless these folks in Jesus' name. Amen.